answer that question by asking you two questions. One, is this or is this not? Chasing history. Jake Larson. I'm ready for some Monday night concussion protocol. And two-time Nebraska walk-on tryout participant Colton Stone. Sometimes it just like replays through my head. It's just like, wow. Yes, it is. Two, do I or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play football. Good morning, beautiful people. It is 10 a.m. on a Friday, which is chasing history time. Colton Stone alongside Jake Larson. And Jake, how have you been? You know, I've been, I've been feeling a little down uh, recently. And not in reference to 311 day that happened recently. Um, you know, on this show, you know, we talk about, uh, talk about stats. I'd, I'd say we talk a little bit about stats. Um, so I was looking through at, you know, stats that matter. Not, not batting average. Not home <laughs> runs. And I learned... That I'm not going to say that he's not an amazing athlete. He absolutely is. But Bo Jackson wasn't really all that good of a baseball player. And that concludes our episode of Chasing History. <laughs> His uh, highest OPS, I think, was 809. Which there have been teams that have averaged higher than that. I mean, given that's yes, that was in the steroid era when they do that. But still, there have been teams that have like averaged more than that. And uh, his his own one. His lone all-star season, he batted 250 with 30 home runs. I don't, that's not very that's not very efficient. He was a football player. You know, I believe, though, that if he dedicated himself to baseball full-time, I wish he didn't because I'm a Raiders fan, but if he did, well, he would be at least... Hell, he barely got if he, to... If he, dedicated, if he dedicated himself to baseball full-time, like starting in like high school, he would have been at least a five-time all-star. He barely got to dedicate himself to, to football when he came to the professional level because he was out so soon. Yeah. He also didn't, like, work out a day in his life. He was just that big, which is yeah. still baffles me. But, I, you know, what do I know, I guess? I don't know. I don't know what you know. I know that Bo Jackson's the greatest dual-sport athlete in the world. And that's just not To wrong. this day. You're not wrong. Um, wow. Okay, well. Start me off on a, on a low end there. Oh, yeah. So. I'm sorry. I'm well, sorry. It's just on my mind. Other than wanting to just drag Bo Jackson through the ringer, how else have you been? How was New York? I was, yeah. I how was, was watching York. Creighton for two and a half hours? Um, well, it was good because I had the greatest slice of pizza and the greatest pastrami and pastrami and Dijon mustard sandwich I ever, I ever had. How much Law & Order did you watch? Uh, not a whole lot of Law & Order. I'm be just at the game? Yes, that's true. They um, at Madison Square Garden they have TVs um, at the bot like on the rail around the um, second bowl or the upper bowl, and they were all showing Law and Order in like CSI in New York, like in case you forgot where you were. And, uh, <laughs> honestly, that was that Creighton game. Yeah, they lost, but it was one of the it was a very good game nonetheless. It went down to the last second in overtime. And so I don't know why anyone would like care to watch. It's like, yeah, if you're getting like, <laughs> if you're getting raced, if you're getting raced by Monmouth, like, yeah, that's like fine to watch some Law and Order. But that's a really good game. Why do you need to see? Uh, what if you missed last week's episode and you're like, ah, I got to pick. Why not both? Wait for later. You get a, a chicken tender basket that's going to cost you fifteen forty after tax. In New York. Yeah. Fifth thirty. Oh, was it <laughs> probably? I mean, that's if you get the ranch. If you don't, yeah, ranch ranch in New York's forty bucks. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an extra fifteen dollars. Yeah, it's gonna cost you a little bit. Well, that's good. I remember last week Ben and I said, I don't, you know, I I said I don't know why Jake's gonna go to Creighton or go to New York to watch Creighton for all of three hours. Well, no, the food there is amazing. New York is a city. I mean, really, the reason I went there to New York. If I got the if I got the offer to go. To the conf- Creighton's conference tournament, and it was back like in St. Louis, like it used to be, or something. I would have there. That wouldn't have happened. But being in New York, it's like, how do you turn that down? That's like the greatest city ever. What kind of pizza? Um, I had a sausage and pepperoni on one slice, and I had cheese on the other. Plain cheese. Yeah. Anyways. I've been told that when you go to, I guess you could, now you've been there now. Yeah. Uh, is it when you like try? 
pizza, you have to try one that's like, you know, pepperoni or, or, you know, some meat, whatever. And then the other one is you have to get like a plain cheese, no matter how like plain it sounds. Yeah. And I, I mean, I like plain cheese pizza. It's not something that's like too bland for me. I still like it, but I think you got to try it because a lot of what made that pizza really good was like the breading that they used for it. Like that was like, like we had a the slices were huge we do it by the slice the slices are huge well, yeah, we had to split it the in size half. of a small child and basically. we had a, so we, you have to like fold it in half but you hear a the crunch, correct way you hear you hear a crack when you do it and that there means you go. that means you got a good you got a good slice. you got a you good got a good slice of new york pizza right there that's a spicy meatball uh, there we go that's a spicy pizza bite <laughs> <laughs> all right well that's that's enough about pizza because now i want it no it's not no it's not <laughs> All right, dude, percentage wise, how much of your body is now pizza? Is New York pizza stat wise? Um, it's only 5%. <laughs> I wish it was 40. I wish it was, I wish it was higher than Bo Jackson's OPS. It's not hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his, his, like, I can tell you that if I went back to New York, um, within the first 15 minutes, the percentage of my body being Joey's pizza would be, <laughs> higher, would be higher than Bo Jackson's highest on-base percentage. I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to hold you to it. That's 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 like saying, hey, are you going to breathe when you get into <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, speaking of baseball, uh, unfortunately, college one of college baseball's uh, – I, I would say legendary coaches. One of, one of two coaches to in college baseball history to win a title with two different teams. Well, five, he's, he won five, right? Yes, he won five. five. Or was that five with two. Texas? It was three with Texas, two with Cal State Fullerton. Okay, right. So uh, at the age of 79, uh, he was hospitalized and then uh, ended up passing away. Augie Garrido, um, former – well, was he still coaching Texas? Um, he, he, he he ended he retired like two uh, years he ended ago, in right? May of 2016. So about two years ago. And then yeah, he was the special assistant to the uh, athletic director. So yeah, that's what Bob Stoops is doing for Oklahoma. Oh, he is. Yeah, I we found that out yesterday because I guess I don't know if Oklahoma still owed him money or what it was. So someone said he was the the special assistant, and I didn't know if that was like an intern. You can. Does Bob Stoops get the AD coffee? Is he getting summer credit for it? or, or? Yeah, special assistant just sounds like you're just being a We student. want you to be around, but, like, we have to have a reason to have you here. So, well, uh, we are hoping that we, we cut this the correct way. I think I, I got the censoring in where it needed to be in honor of Augie Garrido we have this is a risk that we have to take this is the it's worth it it's absolutely worth it uh I believe it got cut correctly if it doesn't I will I will stop it immediately uh (laughs) good I don't want this to be my last day (laughs) so uh in honor of Augie Garrido passing away uh in his legendary uh, coaching career we are going to play Arguably, probably the greatest rant of college baseball and of of Augie Gritos. College sports. College sports. History. Uh, uh, second behind Mike Gundy. Second behind Mike Gundy. Mike Gundy's pretty good. Yeah. So, without further ado, here's Augie Garrido from 2006 blowing up in the locker room. All right. In 15 minutes, you guys are probably all fine with this, okay? So I'll just sum it up this way, as fast as I can. That is the most humiliating game in the last 10 years I've been involved with. How can we get picked on the first base? How can you do that? The is that about? What do you think you're with here? This isn't about some damn game. This is about our lives. Don't you get it? Do it? Don't you get it? <laughs> You don't have a choice. When I tell you to take, you take. Don't tell me you don't see it. You fucking look. You understand? I don't give a shit. Like I said, 15 minutes from now, you don't give a shit. You walk out of here. I gotta live with this motherfucking embarrassing game the rest of my fucking life. I have totally fucking failed you guys. 
We got every single part of this. Everything. Everything. Infield play. They two out hitting. Everything. Totally stupid. I'm sorry. I apologize. I have totally let you down. As you can hear the doors opening as he leaves, the best part of the video that surfaces, then they slowly fade in a graphic that says Texas went on to win their next 10 games and the big and became the Big 12 Conference Champions uh, of 2006. So that's obviously a, a an ass-chewing that needed to be done by Augie Grito for Texas to, to kick into gear. Yeah, you know... As a Cubs fan, I'm a huge Joe Madden guy, but something tells me I just wish there was like a manager for like the Cubs drop some like June game to be, Cubs finish like 79 80. They dropped the, the opening day game. They, yeah, they, <laughs> they finished the season 79 83. They lose to an equally mediocre Milwaukee Brewers in some random June game, and he just comes in and just chews them out like that. That's the kind of manager I want on a baseball team. Oh, it's so good. It's and you know any you can say what you want about oh well, you know why you know he didn't have to yell at the kids to do that. It's like, but at the same time, he was also like owning up to his actions and it, like he he blamed it on himself, but he also had to like he had to get that off his chest so that people like realize that you know everybody be like oh it's just a game it's like college athletics is a and professional athletics is a little more than just a game so he like needed to to give them something you know what i mean so mm -hmm. i'm all for it that's something i would do yeah i do I, too but i do it if it's i do it if we won by 15 yeah. i just think it was it's it's funnier when you censor it because then you try to have to decipher kind of what they say but I don't know. I think we both lost at the same part, but oh, yeah. it's, but it's okay. So we can't say what, but we lost. Yeah. Part. Well, we <laughs> go back and listen to it. You'll, you'll hear. Yeah. <laughs> so, Colton Stone alongside Jake Larson, chasing history. Uh, Jake, other than uh, some baseball, not really a whole lot, but we'll we'll get to more later on. Not a whole lot besides baseball. You got March Madness. No, no, no. I said not a whole lot of baseball, but we'll come back to to our main point. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, nothing but baseball. Uh, so, March Madness, like you said. Yeah. Um, I guess that's happening. Uh, how, well, we have our Chasing History brackets. I don't know where mine is, but. Uh, I know where mine is. I, it's a problem with me because I'm an organized boy. All right, I'll get mine. You, you talk about yours really quick. Okay, um, well, let me get my bracket out first of all. Got it. All right. So, uh, there are some notable problems with this, I will say. <laughs> there are known problems with my bracket. I'll put it that way. Um, Davidson, I had winning. Ooh. Why? Because Post Malone took a picture with Kentucky. I hate Post Malone. <laughs> Post Malone is garbage. All right. Um... I had Wright State in both of my brackets, and uh, that didn't really, uh, wouldn't say that worked out too well. So, um, we have, or of course, let's look through here. Oh, I had South Dakota State. I did not on my other bracket, so that, that's good. Um, ah, man, looking through here, this is such a good, oh, uh, Duke versus Iona. <laughs> I uh, I picked Iona. That sounds like a team that would beat Duke, but you know what? What, what, what do I know? What do I know? Um, I, I too picked Iona in our bracket. I can't, I'm, so. trying, I'm just trying to see if there's anything that really jumps out that I just really messed up on. Um, I did pick Loyola. I did pick the Loyola uh, victory. No, but I mean, that's not that. Oh, you picked Wright State too, though, didn't you? Did you pick Tennessee? Oh, I also that? picked Saint Bonaventure Ooh. as well. But what, what oh. was the, what was the thing you asked me? What did I pick? I did too. Did you pick Wright State in this one? I worked, yeah, I picked Wright State in both my brackets. <laughs> That's a risk worth taking. Oof. <laughs> Whatever. It's not like Loyola is still going to go to the Sweet... It's, Loyola is still going to go to the Sweet 16, even though I did have Miami Miami going to the Sweet 16 in my other bracket. bracket so. I never did, so I guess that's I, I guess that's not going to happen. I only feel that one. 
And who'd you have in that? You have Nebraska going to the Sweet 16, didn't she say that? Yeah. Or, good. Because the the thing is, <laughs> I said this last week. I say it every time, anytime I start talking about women's basketball. I'm going to try not, not get heated. I will try to not get heated about this, but I will end up getting heated about this. No problem. But I think if you look at matchup-wise now, I personally haven't done enough research on Arizona State and Texas's lineups. I know that Texas is a pretty good women's basketball program generally year in, year out. But with Kate Kane at six foot five in the post, if they can match up well against Arizona State, I think if they get the you know, if they're gonna score fifteen to twenty points in the paint with with Kate Kane alone, that gives you automatically gives you a pretty good chance at winning. And then on top of that, if they were to play Texas, which seems pretty likely, mm-hmm. uh if they match a bull against Texas, they could also win that game. So it's just oh, like yeah. it's, you know, they've got the players to do it. It's just a matter of will they get the team to play, the right team to play. The women's NCAA tournament is interesting to me, as in there's a lot of first-round upsets. See, I don't think so. But Really? Sometimes. But from what I've understood, there's, there's more first-round upsets, but there's never any big runs. Yeah, well, what I've noticed is – I usually end up doing better with my women's bracket that I pick because, because it's a little more predictable. Yes, because I saw a statistic that no team lower than uh, I saw a statistic, and no team had with lower than a third seed has ever won the women's yeah NCAA championship. Now, however, the difference is is that uh, that has been going on only since 1982. But um, yeah, uh, that's kind of. A bit of a shock to me because, I mean, it's also the women's bracket is where the 16th seed is the only time the 16th seed I've ever won uh, beat a first seed was in the women's tournament as well. So, Well, like, you'll you'll get your typical, like, 12-5 or your occasional, like, 13-4, you know, those, those upsets. They don't happen as often, but like you said, when they do happen, it's like, oh, well, they'll win their first game, but that might be it. Yeah, and then they're done. Mm-hmm. Because you look at the bracket, and it's like I think that's uh, I might get these wrong in order, but it's like UConn, Mississippi State, Notre Dame, uh, Baylor, and then it's like Texas, Louisville, Stanford, and Florida State. I think are like the top eight seeds. Now those not in any order, not in ones and twos, but I think those are the top eight. Those are your eight teams that'll probably end up in the elite eight. Mm-hmm. Just uh, and I and I yeah and I and I believe that because or Maryland, the thing is Maryland Maryland is the one team I think or Ohio State out of the Big Ten are one of the teams that lower than a three seed can win the tournament but Maryland would have to beat UConn no or UConn or Baylor no but in fairness. UConn has to beat South Carolina, which South Carolina, I think South Carolina is a two seed, not Florida State. I think I messed that up. Uh, South Carolina is in the same quadrant or region, whatever, as don't talk about quadrants, uh, same region as UConn. So UConn would have to beat South Carolina also. So, like, what happens is once you get to, like, the Sweet 16, it's like, okay, we kind of know which teams are going to make the lead eight. But after that, then those eight, it's kind of, it's usually a toss up. But it's usually UConn. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's usually UConn, of course, but uh, I had a point that I was going to make. Oh, yeah, UConn. It's so easy to it's so easy to pick them. Uh, so you know, UConn, and like, and like, what I was also going to say was in women's college basketball as a whole, the talent disparity huge. is very yeah, it's huge. You are you are um trying to think of how to put this you can have close i think there's probably yeah there's been the 116 seed has beaten the one seed in the women's tournament but i think if you look at the scores if if we took all the 16 versus one seed games in the women's tournament history and averaged the scoring differential versus the men's yeah versus men's i think the women's is going to be much bigger yep. no i could i could i I'd put money on it. I'd guarantee it. Because if you look at it, like you said, the talent disparity, yes, there is the 116 that won. But, I mean, look at how close Penn was to beating Kansas yesterday. Like, I know it wasn't, like, that close. But it, it was, was a decent game. 
it was a decent game considering it was a 16 versus one well and then you look at like you said you get uconn you've got baylor stanford you know you go through all the the women's teams that are pretty on powerhouses and it's just like this is a given Mm -hmm. why would you pick against them so i did pick uconn (laughs) um but to get, and, th- and that starts Saturday. So that's Saturday. Um, Sunday is that first round. So Nebraska will be taking on Arizona State. Nebraska obviously lost in the men's NIT. That's all we have to say about that. Um, yeah, no, looking at my bracket, it's not – I didn't know how bad it was going to be, but it is much worse With me, it's, than I thought. It's not good, but I'm not dead yet. Right, not dead at all. You know, not. Because, like, I remember last year I was, I was dead on the first day. I was, I was, yeah, I was dead on the first day. And um, this, my bracket's not great, but if, like, some of these runs that I have hold out, then I'll be fine. So it's not, because there's some team, like, I mean, I predicted the, the Loyola game, and they could, I can see them predicted. going to the sweep. You kept telling me that Miami was going to win because they would well, then why is, a better pace of play. Then why is Loyola on my bracket? Because I told you Loyola would win. <laughs> and I was 50-50 on it anyway. And uh, the reason I didn't, but that was the reason I didn't pick Loyola for both of my brackets, was I did see a chance of Miami controlling the tempo. And I mean, for most of the game, they did, to be fair. Up until the last second shot, they didn't control the tempo there. Up until that guy missed a free throw. Other than that, though. Well, the thing is, even if he makes that free throw, they make a three and it ends it anyways. Oh, yeah. Another one I missed, and I I missed reading it, was uh, I picked NC State over Seton Hall, which... Bad move. Uh, yeah, but it's that's kind of a surprise to me because eight nine is a hard. Now, would like, you agree with me? That eight nine is the hardest game to pick. Oh, absolutely, because it it might as well just be the same seed. Because the nine seed could be the eight seed, the eight seed could be a nine. And like, yeah, and sometimes the eight or the nine could actually be higher, but because of automatic qualifiers or you know Q one wins or whatever, they end up playing each other. Yeah, and um. Yeah, it's just a weird thing to predict because I remember like a lot of teams that have uh, let me think uh, or like automatic qualifiers from smaller conferences that have really good seasons. They end up getting an eighth seed. They get in, then they have to play some like big time school as a ninth seed. And the one that like comes to mind is like uh, with. With Creighton or whatever, they were a ninth. No, they were actually an eight seed for it, but still, it's the same point. You could reverse them. Um, in 2012, they were an eight seed, and because they won the conference tournament, when they, I necessarily don't think that they should have been that low, and they were playing an SEC school uh, in Alabama. It ended up getting really close, and I think. You got one thing I would be would another thing I'd be interested in looking at is going back with this eight nine seed. What are the winning percentages for the nine seed in that game? Are you asking me? Do you have the number? I wish I had the number. Oh. That's it, these are these are questions we need to answer, man. Because uh, like, if I, you want my honest opinion, I feel like it's almost a fifty fifty split. It, I think I remember. I think I did see it was like forty nine point three. Uh, percentage for the eight seed, no, no, for the ninth seed, eight seed barely, because, barely. Because you can, I feel like the eight and nine is very similar to a coin flip, to where yes, your well, any of these games is a fifty-fifty shot, obviously, but you really know it's not a 50-50 shot. But with the 8-9, it's essentially the same team playing each other. Mm-hmm. And, and and when you flip a coin, yes, it should be 50-50, but you know, out of 100 times, you're going to get a heads 51 times. Mm-hmm. That's just, or you might get tails 51 times. And That's just like how it works. Even with a 7-10 game, people, are when a 10 seed wins, they'll be like, hmm. That's it. Okay. Okay. And then, it's but then when a, but when, a, but, when the, but when a nine seed beats an eight seed, or when any tournament when a four seed beats a five seed or whatever, it's like okay, that's that they are the same team. People people realize that. Yeah. It's as soon as you get past like that seven ten, that's where it's like if the lower seed, higher seed. What was that? 
bigger number. Once you get past the 710, mm-hmm. it's just kind of like, okay, if, uh, you know, what, if an 11 seed wins, a 12 seed wins, like you start going on a list, it's like, okay. It just marginally and marginally gets like more impressive, like the bigger the number it gets. But like, the, yeah, the closer they're together, like if a, a two beat a one, are you going to be like, oh, what? That's crazy. Like, no, that two could arguably be a one seed. You don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, like Cincinnati, thirty and four. Why are they? A t- you know, they could be a one seed. What was the what was the thing Duke that I saw? Be. Uh, a a four seed difference is an upset. Would you agree with that? A four seed, yeah. But I, that, but also at the same time, that means that a seven a ten is close, though. Would you say that's a ten seed beat winning is an upset? I wouldn't. Say I wouldn't it's say it's. An, an I wouldn't upset. say it's an upset, but it's. It would still be kind of. It's still surprising. It's yeah. It's surprising, but you don't. You're just like, oh, okay. It's that's like, like oh, kind of my reaction. Yeah, that's like when you know. Because really, I think of it as a nine ten seeds. Not an upset. Ten seeds up are solid teams. Behind that, I mean, they're still. I mean, they made the NCAA tournament, but well, but, but eleven, actually, but eleven to sixteen, it's like those automatic qualifiers they, that are barely there. It's yeah, either that or really, really questionable at large bids. Like eleven to sixteen, it's like uh, I don't know about that. But ten, ten and up, those are solid. Those are always solid teams. Well, and what's crazy too is you like, look at some of I, the yeah, ten seeds and up are teams that deserve to be in the tournament. Well, and you can't say that some of these eleven to sixteen don't to be don't deserve to be in it. It's that they they get slotted. Where Loyola they, deserve to be higher. I think they should have been a ninth seed. Correct. Well, South Dakota State twenty eight and six. Uh, Loyola twenty eight and five. Uh, you know, you started on Montana was a good team that could have beat Michigan, uh, and you just start going through some of them. And it's like New Mexico State twenty eight and five. So these are teams that had like a lot of wins. It's just they got slotted. Mm-hmm. Where they did, I mean, Rhode Island almost got lucky that they didn't win their conference because they probably would have been slated as like a five seed, and they could have lost to a team that was better than them because they would have been a mid major against another mid major. Yeah, and I think um, with Loyola, now I will absolutely say that Missouri Valley Conference is not as good as it used to be, having Wichita State and uh, Creighton, who were always some very who good won teams. the Missouri Valley this year. That was Loyola. Oh, that's right. Okay. And yeah. So in Loyola, finished twenty eight and five. Mm-hmm. That's really good for a Valley team because when yes. there'd be seasons where usually like the the first seed would have like a record of like twenty three and seven, and you which and, is still like respect. Which no, which is still very good. But you'd see like, oh, this is the first team. You know, this will be uh, this will be a good game. I mean, we can we can maybe get to them. I mean, I don't know how to think because Creighton was always at least middle of the pack, um, but yeah. at, at the at the lowest. But um, when you would every every couple years, maybe you sometime for a while it was almost every year near the end. Um, you would have your a team that would finish with five wins or five losses or four losses. And you're just, and that's when fans are like, "Oh my God, I don't." I, if you're a middle of the pack team, you're like, "It's it's not going to happen." Yeah. There's no way, because um, Creighton had a couple of those teams. Wichita State had a couple of those teams, if not more. Yeah. Um, I remember Drake mm-hmm. had a team like that before in '08. That was one of the weirdest that was one of the most shocking teams in college basketball history. It's so weird to think about those Missouri Valley teams and like how good. Or how many, like, you good over there? No. <laughs> no. Spilling your kofifi. Um, oh, oh, it got all over my Red Hot Chili Pepper shirt. I got I got three drops on there. That, you're going to have to, so have, the gonna have to burn Val- it. The Missouri Valley. Um, <laughs> no, you look at some of those teams, like how they'd make some streaks. I mean, you got, like, Wichita State perennially. Perennially? perennially? Yeah, correct. There we go. Good. And then Creighton was always... Pretty good. And then Drake. <laughs> you didn't want to say that, did you? No. <laughs> anyway. No. Uh, Drake made some runs. But then even, like, you go down farther, like, Bradley would have good years. I remember, do you remember, do you remember when Bradley years? had that 13 seed team that went to the Sweet 16 in 06? Do you mm-hmm. remember that? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I remember, I remember that really well because 
they gave every team just the fits when they'd play each other. And then they, so Bradley somehow finishes as a fifth seed in the Missouri Valley Conference, going into the Missouri Valley Conference. And like, I wasn't, as like an eight year old, I just kind of judged teams as how good they looked when Creighton was playing them. And then, and then I maybe once I got the media guy at the end of the year because I was weird, I would look at the records. But like, I heard Bradley is a fifth seed, and I'm like, what? Like, they, they, there's no way. And they were just a really scrappy team. And they, of course, they beat Creighton, and they beat the number one seed, Wichita State, and they make it all the way to the final and almost win that as well, which earns them an at-large bid of a 13th seed, which is kind of weird. But they made it to the Sweet 16. And, and I, I remember... Quad one what, wins were solid. And I won... And I won the family bracket that year because I picked Bradley going uh, to the second round. I picked them beating Kansas because I'm like, they looked so good against good. Like, they looked so good against any team. They just, for some reason, like, I think it was they couldn't play on the road was their problem. One tournament's not on the road. Exactly. It's a neutral site thing. Uh, well, I mean, some of them are basically at home. With, uh, yeah, with, yeah, like because they give Duke and North Carolina uh, Charlotte and Greensboro games every year. That way they only have to go 10 feet and then they're at the stadium. But anyways. <laughs> that is so annoying. But then even th- I hate both of those. Like, people ask me, um, <laughs> like, who do you pick Duke or North Carolina? And I'm like, what other games on the other channels would I pick? Because I hate. I hope if there's a way for both teams to lose, I'll find it. Well, when they play each other? Yeah. Yeah. I can't stand. Those are probably my two most hated teams in all of college basketball. I like, here's my thing. Well. I might pick Duke in that game. Missouri Valley, I was just rounded out. Who else was in there? Missouri State used to be pretty good, too. Yeah, they had a couple good. They had a. I don't even know. It was that. There were only eight teams in there when Creighton was right? It was a 10. ten. It was 10. Yep. And it and each. Oh, in, Illinois State. I just forgot so, that. Illinois State had a, an appearance or two. Missouri State, I don't think had an appearance like recently, they but they but they would be a solid team all the time. They'd always be a solid team, but they'd they'd usually just be an NIT team. Even though I was just trying to. Did you know who their uh, Steve Alford, coach at UCLA? One of his first jobs was at Missouri State, then known as Southwest. Wow! And what got him on the road to it wasn't what sent him to UCLA, but what kind of helped him get there was in 1999. They got an at-large bid, and they're like as an 11th seed, and they made it to the Sweet 16. And what? so, that's that's you know, just, you I'm know. just trying to just trying to put in more history into this. The more you know, we need. I th- I felt like we needed more history, so I just kind of wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> I I know last week I I stole your your bit, which was, and this is the part of the show where you talk about stats. This is the show where you know this is the only part of the show where we talk about. <laughs> so not in any other part, but the only this part. Oh. Yeah, um, I don't. I'm trying to. Th- yeah, there's Drake, Southern Illinois, Southern Illinois. Oh, the Salukis. The, the, they were. They had a couple of 28, 29 win teams, if I remember correctly. Yes, they did. Yeah. They did. I remember Creighton went four seasons without beating them once because yeah. they were always so good. Before, for a while, Wichita State wasn't Wichita State. Before Wichita State was Wichita State. Wichita State was Southern Illinois. Yeah. Because. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they were very Carry the one. they were very scrappy teams that did have a guy who could shoot and score for them while everyone else would just play just um strangling defense and the greatest game i have ever seen in person was when creighton ended that losing streak against them and beat the 11th ranked not 11th seed but 11th ranked uh southern illinois in st louis that was an unbelievable game cuz we everyone even like my overly optimistic nine-year-old self was like, uh, "Well, let's well, just uh, let's get home safe." <laughs> and uh, all right, uh, yeah, let's get home safe. And then at the end of halftime, Creighton's up by two points. I'm like, "No, oh, okay, okay." And then they they won Merry the Christmas. game, and I stormed storm the court, and I somehow got past security, even though I was nine years old. So, <laughs> not I, apparently. And that was the first time I spent a night in jail. <laughs> Not the last time. Not the last. Um, oh, I was just, of course, I take a bite and then I'll, I'll try to talk. Yeah, that's real, real professional. Cold. When you said that you hate yeah. North Carolina and Duke, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. they aren't like on the top of my list of hated universities. I have a very short top three. All right, I want to hear this. I don't know if you can guess them, but it's Iowa. That's up there. Creighton. Yep. 
Kentucky? Nope, Texas. Oh yeah, yeah okay. those are my three. Okay, you know I get that. I have I have hatreds for other teams in certain sports, but like yes, like for example, um, I hate Alabama for football. I hate Alabama for football, but for basketball, I'll usually root for them oh, just because right. I I feel like I just feel bad for the fact that they probably get no money for uh, their basketball team. I honestly, the reason that they hired Avery Johnson as their coach was someone. Someone in Alabama cares about basketball, and one day was surfing. When one day was surfing, uh, college basketball reference is like, "Hey, um, Alabama's athletic director, uh, you want to make your basketball team better?" And the guy's like, "I don't, I guess so." No. It's like, "Ah, uh, maybe." And it's like, "Well, there's this guy, and he averaged the NCAA record for assists in a game over his career." And it's like that means he can like that means he's pretty uh, decent at knowing what basketball is. Like, oh, let's hire him for maybe, like, a sandwich or something like that. And so I think that's how Avery Johnson became head coach at Alabama. Nothing with his previous experience speaking, uh, in coaching. Speaking of new coaches, Tom Crean's getting a job. Where? Georgia. ESPN? No, oh. Georgia. Oh, okay. He's set to sign a deal. Uh, Good for him. And He's not that bad of a coach, I don't think. He's all right. He's a pretty. I mean, he was. Really he had some good questionable seasons. He, he had some questionable seasons at Indiana. I but, mean, that's fair though. There's times yeah. where you get like you only have freshmen or you don't mm-hmm. have guys that play well together or whatever. It's Speaking fine. of new coaches, I can't wait for Tyron Lue to be our head coach next year. <laughs> hot well, take. It, it's not that hot. <laughs> Lukewarm. Um, maybe not next year, but in two years. Uh, yeah. No, another. Um, well, if you want to talk about former NBA players, Penny Hardaway is getting a coaching job also. Uh, Memphis? Mm-hmm. Knew it. That's where he played in college. But Tim, it's kind of weird. Tim Hardaway. Because, but it's kind of weird uh, to me because Hardaway was just more of an athletic beast. I mean, he was a smart player, as, I mean, of course. But he was he was, what really was got him. dumb animal. What, what, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> where, what made him good was his athletic talent. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but I could see him getting an opening job at like Georgia State or like Eastern Michigan or something. But like Memphis is an established school, so him to get a uh, do you know of his previous coaching experience? Because I haven't heard of him being a coach anywhere previously, so I don't know if he's they're throwing him right into the ring with this like they do with uh, Jason Kidd and Derek Fisher. <laughs> but um, hopefully, it doesn't end the same way. Kurt Rambis, yeah. Kurt, Kurt Rambis was actually had some decent seasons coaching, though. Um, Even though who's, one, who's at St. John's right now? Uh, Mullen, Chris Mullen. Yep, yep. I think that's the one I was thinking more of, not Kurt Rambis, but either way. Same also, thing. like Patrick Ewing being a head coach at Georgetown right now. How did they do this year? Were they okay? No, no, they weren't. <laughs> no, they, Georgetown's been awful since, been, the new, since the beginning of the new big east i don't think they've, they've finished been up and down yeah they've i think every season they're like always the play in play in game seventh seed team hmm. let me look up uh penny anthony hardaway i think his name was penny uh actually it was anthony um well, tim hardaway tim, tim hardaway jr no senior um i don't know if you've been paying attention too much to uh um free agency oh by the way yeah i just checked and yeah he does not uh he has not had any previous coaching experience i i'm looking at his wikipedia and it's not updated and there's nothing about him coaching uh, in the, uh, at any other level well in fact good. so all it is is about how there is little penny commercials in the 90s Woo. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask if you've been paying attention to NFL free agency at all. Um, a little bit. You see some I like saw that the crazy contracts. That I are, saw that the Raiders are going to make the twenty or have uh, going to make the twenty twelve Super Bowl with their signing a Jordy the, Nelson. The twenty twelve Super Bowl. Yeah. They're going to go back in time. Yeah, they're going to go back in time with Jordy Nelson. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> they could cut Michael Crabtree, and I don't know how I feel about that because Amari Cooper had a really bad season this year, uh-huh. which I do once again. As many of the Raiders' problems were on, I mean, their defense, no matter who they could have, was just awful. But on offense, I blame all of their problems on coaching. Amari Cooper is a really good speed wide receiver. He catches it, he breaks away. Um, similar to like a Randy Moss. Not at that level, but, you know, his speed is his strength. And while you had that, that receiver, they had a, pos- a really good possession guy in Michael Crabtree. 
and they no longer have that. And once again, Jordy Nelson's more of a speed speed wide receiver too. Like looking at his stats as well, and so it'll be interesting to see how he performs. Hopefully, he just develops his hands as much as possible so they can just use them for short passes. Um, because I was kind of thinking, and I always kind of compare, you know, how an offense is going to be ran by who their wide receivers are. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the last really good Raiders team with Rich Gannon, all their, their they had a good receiving core in Tim Brown and Jerry Rice, and both them both those guys were pretty old by that time, but they were so sure-handed that it didn't matter how what their speed was. Like by the time Jerry Rice was on the Raiders, he was like forty years old, but and he he was one of the slowest wide receivers in the NFL because of that, um, in comparison to what it used to be. Well, right. But he was Jerry Rice, and he still probably had the best hands in all of the NFL. And so it didn't matter how what his speed was. You just get him five yards out, he's going to reach above the cornerback and, and grab mm-hmm. it. And uh, you need guys like that. And so if this is all just speed, that's fine if they can break away, but it doesn't matter if you can't catch the ball. Other big signings, three years, eighty-four fully, eighty-four million fully guaranteed. Kirk Cousins to the Vikings. Um, there's also talks that next time Matt Ryan signs a contract, it could be in the. Uh, I think they were saying billions. <laughs> Might as well be almost. Yeah, it's it's the point where quarterbacks can just ask for whatever they want. And they're probably going to get it. Like, that's like crazy. No, yeah, that I know because it. like Matt Stafford and Kirk Cousins being the highest played. Highest paid players in NFL well, history. Every quarterback that succeeds, it's this is the highest paid. This is the highest. Like it's every just, time, every time they ask, every time a quarterback gets signed to a new place, it's the highest contract in NFL history. And like, and Dominican Sue might be going to tie this into the Huskers, and we talked about Dominican Sue being the fourth best defensive line in 2009 last week. Um, but Sue might go to the Saints. Oh, I'm down with that. If I'm so the, down if with he's that. The first, if that's their first visit, or if they're uh, Able to clear up enough money for him. That's oh, I'm so, oh, I'm oh, I'm so ready. I'm gonna I'm gonna be, be super a, cool. I'm gonna be a Saints fan or like they're gonna be my top five because I pick. I I mean of course my Raiders are my number one team, but outside of that I pick a lot of my NFL teams by which because I want to tie in sports and music as much as possible. I'm a uh-huh. music person. I pick um, NFL teams by their uh, music scene, mm-hmm. and so New Orleans because yeah. of you know you got. You got old school jazz. You got that brass music. You got that. You got that brass music now. Uh, and not only that, but most important, I'd say most importantly, you Little have Wayne. early, early Little Wayne. Yep. You got early Little Wayne. Not not his newer stuff, but his first couple albums. New Orleans doesn't claim Little Wayne now, but, but have you please. listened to Have you listened to Little Wayne's debut album from when he was like seventeen? Probably. It's yeah. one of the most fire things I've ever listened to. <laughs> and um, I when um, I was watching. Uh, the Saints Vikings game this year. When I thought the Saints were going to win, I just started blasting that album. But um, ridiculous. But yeah, so combining two of my loves together is going to be great: the Kung Su and uh, the Hot Boys. Boys. Well, so yep, there's a lot going on in free agency. I just don't want to get into all of it because it's just like it. Because it's the NFL. <laughs> it's the NFL, and it's just like it confuses me, and I don't know how anybody's making that much money. You know, whatever it doesn't matter. But, hey, here's the part of the show where I steal stats from Twitter like I did last week. From uh, me. But, you might as well steal these stats from me. Not well, just no, Twitter. I sent them to you. That's true, and then I read them. And then you read them. So uh, this week, uh, Wednesday, or maybe it was Tuesday, but this week Russell Westbrook got his 100th triple-double. He scored 32, 12, and 12 um, during their series against Northern Colorado. Scott Schreiber notched his 200th career hit. And 29th career home run, and he has he has reached base in all 17 games this year. So congrats to you, Scott Schreiber, and Joe Thomas, the center, former center of the Cleveland Browns, who uh, announced his retirement. He gave up 30 sacks, total sacks, in 11 in his 11-year career, which was over it was 6,680 pass block snaps. His replacement. Spencer Drango allowed 11 sacks in as many games, 11 games. Right when we thought the Cleveland Browns were going to have a decent team. 
They will. Have... They're making the playoffs this year. No, they have a horrible line. Their line well, is Well, if you take that part out. It... <laughs> so the fact the they're going to get a line, s- they're going to win. You know, if you. The offensive line is the most important part. Important part. Tied with no. defense, offensive line is the most important important part of the oh, football no, team. The trenches are the most important part. If you don't have an offensive or defensive line, you might as well not play. Yeah, offensive line with your defense, two most important things yep. in the NFL. You could have you can have a garbage everything else, and you'll be you'll be at least six if wins. You have a halfway decent. Well, see, here's what they're going to do. At number one, they're going to take Saquon Barkley. Really, you think so? Yeah. Even with a terrible line. Yeah. Because I think with. Because I think I would. I, think I would fourth pick. They go on offensive lineman though. I see that. Because I think what you're going to have to do is, or vice versa. You always have to have a good offensive line if you're going to draft a running back. Because mm. if I, I what it's I the see Browns though. What I see happening. You is, can't expect the Browns to be logical about anything they do. Yeah, well, I I know. That's why but when everyone if I was, was like they're going to be good. And if, then, I was, if, if I was, if I was, if I was a logical, if I was, you know, if I was, you were Sashi Brown. You, sure. Um, I would not pick Saquon Barkley. If I had any other team in the NFL, I would pick Saquon Barkley. But my problem with this is that with no offensive line and Saquon Barkley being their main weapon, uh-huh. they're going to run him all the time. He's going to get plowed in the backfield on every single run, and he's going to get injured. He'd be good suited in like Washington, where Bill oh. Callahan's the offensive line coach. Or, <laughs> hey, don't hate Bill Callahan. He's a, he is a good NFL coach. I'll give you that. He's a great O line coach. Yeah. Outside okay. of that, I'm not going to say anything because it's probably not appropriate for air. But yeah, and as a Raiders fan and a Cornhuskers fan, I'll you probably don't have a lot of good things to say. But that's besides no. the point. Uh, or get him to. I mean, and Bill Callahan was in Dallas before too. But even he had a decent. He had some decent lines. I hate. I hate Dallas more the than the only like, team he is not uh, coached for. I believe in the NFC East is the Eagles. He may not have coached for the Giants. We got to fix that. <laughs> He's just making his rounds. But uh, you know, Squam Barkley would be good to place like Dallas or Washington or you know somewhere that's gotten established offensive line. Oh, absolutely. Or at least a halfway decent line that. They if he had a t- if he if he goes to a team with a at least an a mediocre offensive line, he's going to be NFL Rookie of the Year. Someone that can actually block. He will be NFL. If he if he goes anywhere where turnstiles are not their offensive line, he will have one of the best one of the best rookie seasons in NFL history. And if he learns to run forward instead of backwards, that uh, that helps. I, I start watching videos. People are like, "Oh, but look at how he always tries to bounce and always this." I was like, "But Saquon Barkley." And then I watch the video. I was like, "Man, I love Saquon Barkley, but that dude's got to run straight." <sighs> That's I don't really have a problem with that because Barry Sanders has more negative yard run, rushing attempts than any other like running back in NFL history, and he's and he's Barry Sanders. He never had an offensive. Is Emmitt Smith in your top five running backs? No. You know what? You know what? T- Twitter ran. I'm referring to right. Uh, yes. And <laughs> someone, so, someone said, "Are we, we going to pick our like top five running backs right now?" Uh, we, top three. I want to talk about this baseball thing, but we probably should. Uh, I was just going to say that it was funny because someone said, "Oh, Emmitt Smith has to be in your top five. and someone's like, "All right, he's five then." <laughs> Just because you are the leading rusher by yards, and it's funny because I saw the tweet. And isn't like, he leading in rushing attempts as well? He, well? I don't know about that, but he has the most yards. He won a Super Bowl MVP. He's got three or three Super Bowls, an MVP, a Super Bowl MVP, and he's not the greatest running back of all time. And he like leads in touchdowns. I'm pretty sure too, because he like, played forever, and he had he had he one had of the like greatest the, he had the greatest, greatest offensive line, line ever, and. Uh, yeah, he's not good. He's not good. I'm top, sorry. Top three, go. Top three. Uh, and it doesn't have to be in order, unless you have an order. All right. Um, let me think. I'm going to go number one. Oh, man, you know, I don't know if I can do it in order. So don't I, do it in order. Just, so, just top three. All right. So Barry Sanders, yep. Walter Payton, okay. Jim Brown. Let's see. Sanders for sure. Walter Payton's probably the – no, I wouldn't say a toss-up for me, but probably he'd be in my top five for sure, probably top three. Uh, Jim Brown's top five, but I don't know if I can put him at three. Honestly, Jim Brown's one of the few. With Damian Tomlinson? 
I can see it. He I think a, he'd be in my top like eight. I don't, uh, I don't yeah, know he, if I'd put well, him no, top three. I'd though. put him top five. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. He, isn't he the rushing touchdowns in the season leader? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he didn't really have much of it. Like, he was an amazing. He was the best when running back the char- for years. Yeah, when he was at the Chargers, it was like lights out. And I think Clinton Porters. Mm. Terrell Davis. You know who I forgot? Who I forgot? Um, Michael. I think number. F- <laughs> Michael. <laughs> um, I think number four. If not, I would put him, replace him with Walter Payton, my favorite football player growing up, Marshall Falk. Yeah, Falk's pretty good. Falk was amazing. Amon Green. He's a, Marshall Falk is the greatest receiving running back of all time. If Bo Jackson would have played longer. I think he arguably could have been up farther too. I don't think so. You don't think so? I honestly, I honestly say, I honestly no. He was a good running back. Eric Dickerson. He was very good. But I'm gonna. What I need I to say, say top three is that as good as Bo Jackson was, every year that he played, he was not the best running back on the team. That was Marcus Allen. I almost forgot Marcus Allen's name. I was like, that's why I turned away. I was trying to figure it out. It I didn't Marcus want to be Allen. wrong. It was Marcus Allen, and Marcus he Allen's was pretty good too. Marcus Allen. He, they, people say he's the greatest short yardage running back of all time. I don't know. Uh, I'd say Earl Campbell or Jim Brown. Because, well, Jim Brown, yeah, he was the greatest power running back, but he was so good mm-hmm. that his runs were like weren't short gain because they were all like he just break every tackle. So you can't. I don't really know if I'd call him a short gain runner. And that's same with. Ju- and the if I think short gain, I think someone like Jerome Bettis who gets. Whoa. Tackle who gets tackled after three, yeah. who gets tackled after he only averages like three yards a carry, but he always gets three yards. I mean, it's not like he never gets yeah. he never gets tackled behind the line. Yeah, you give him the ball and he's gonna get three yards. I and I saw this too because this was part of like the Twitter debate rant whatever. Yeah, give him a few more years or a few you know whatever. Frank Gore is a <laughs> he's not no 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 no. I'm not saying he's a top three or top five running back, but he is one of like the best like longevity wise. Oh yeah, and like ability yeah. wise, best running backs that the NFL has seen. Because like there's so, like when we have this discussion, there's so many guys like if you play longer, mm, like Terrell Davis, who yeah. had three MVPs in a row, but that was also like his only three full seasons in the NFL, right. where he played five years or something like that. Yeah, I'm still not a fan of him getting in the Hall of Fame, but, you know, whatever. What do I know? <laughs> yeah, Clint, I don't know. Clint because... Portis is my favorite running back of all time, like, personally, mm-hmm. just because that's, like, who I grew up watching yeah. and, and whatever. That was me with Marshall Falk. And and rightfully so, and I watched a lot of Falk, too. But, oh, he's unbelievable. Uh, the thing with, with Portis, I think, for me, was, like, if Terrell Davis can get in the Hall of Fame, like, I feel like Clint Portis can get in the Hall have, of have, Fame. All right, before we move on. I have one more running back question okay. for you. We've got seven minutes, so let's, let's the do The greatest no, Husker NFL running back of all time. Is it Amon Green or is it Roger Craig? Oh. And if you have any other suggestions, go ahead and throw them out there. Well, the there's some is, people that say Mike Rozier like, has had a very underrated NFL career. He had two yeah. Pro Bowls. Yeah. I, I think you have to lean towards Amon Green based on the, the long – I feel like the longevity factor. Because I'm gonna, if, I'm gonna go Roger Craig, mm. and I and here in but Craig, if, if you can get like a few, if you get a full, few full seasons of like a healthy Amir Abdullah, that could like jump up there too. But yeah, I think right now it's between Craig and among because Craig, my argument for him is before Marshall, he was Marshall Falk before Marshall Falk. He wasn't as good, but he had four Pro Bowls. Um, he was the all-time receiving leader for a running back, mm. and uh, that's all I got to say about that. Because we got to move on to the reason that this show was created. Yeah, well, yeah, we we should have given ourselves more time, but that's okay. So on March fifteenth, no, it's sixteenth. Oh, it's fifteenth. Okay. Today's the sixteenth. Mm-hmm. On March fifteenth, nineteen ninety nine, in the second game of doubleheader, Nebraska set three NCAA records in a fifty three fifty to three win versus Chicago State, and there was a picture that they posted of the of the old scoreboard. And despite what it showed, which was a zero and a three, uh, Nebraska scored ten runs in the second and thirteen in the fifth. Ken Harvey hit two home runs. Craig Moore, future All Star Ken Harvey, ten RBI. Craig Moore. So, in honor of it, uh, last week they decided to lose the first game to Cal Poly and then beat them in a doubleheader on Saturday, twenty-two to three and thirteen to two, outscoring them thirty-five to five in a 
double game. And that's the what? thing with that 50-3 to three game. I know we only have five minutes, but they beat them 50-3 to three in the second, second game. game. The first game, they won 15-3. to three. That's a 65-3 to three over two games. <laughs> Six. It's 15, right? Or did it... no, over two games, it was 65-3. to three. Because in the first game, Nebraska won 15-3. to Then they won... No, six. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Okay, there you go. I was thinking a shutout for some reason. I mean, it might as well have been a shutout, like, really. You beat them by 47, which is still the record because I don't know... I don't think there's any team that could win by 47 anymore. I don't think there's... Like, a, yeah, I don't think there's a team that will ever score 50 I don't 50 think there's a team that would try to score 50 runs or win by 47 anymore. Now, I was looking up some of the other records, like, combined... Like, you know, combined runs in a game and, you know, all these... Other different ones, but like 50 runs and winning by 47 is just that's bonkers. <laughs> what, 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 you know, what I think the craziest uh thing about this was um, they have the division one record for before this was on April 7th, 1992. Mm. Uh, it was 42 to one game between West Chance, Westchester, Pennsylvania. Versus Philadelphia Textile, and I think the most amazing stat is that Philadelphia Textile was a Division One baseball team in 1992. That sounds like when I read a history book about the explosion of baseball after the Civil War, I read about the first college baseball game between Westchester, Pennsylvania, and Philadelphia Textile, not a game in 1992. Are you sure it doesn't say 1892? It says 1992 <laughs> on here, and it doesn't say anything about them riding a horse to the game. It just—they probably did though. And then, uh, and then what's funny is before that it was a there was it was actually tied. There was a forty-one to nothing game where Georgia Tech beat uh, Earlham on March twenty-first, nineteen seventy-five. So did we? Oh, I was gonna say I guess do we have a baseball beatdown of the week? But it was Nebraska winning twenty-two to three and thirteen oh, yeah. to two. That was, so that that was I think that was an honor of. That game. Wait, let's look at. You want to look at the box score? Oh wait, it says failed to load document. Never mind. Try. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not going to happen. This is from the Huskers website, so. Uh, so it's Mosier better get on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's just like, wow, fifty to three, man. Nebraska scored twenty three runs before the Cougars had a base runner. <laughs> wait, say that one more time. Nebraska scored twenty three runs before Chicago State ever had a base runner. Yeah, that's right. How many hits did Chicago State have in that game? Uh, I had the picture up. Hold on, I've got the scoreboard. Give me just a second. We've got time. We've got two and a half minutes. They had three runs, three hits, five errors. Nice. Nebraska had 50 runs, 35 hits, and one error. 35 hits, 50 runs. 48, they had 48 runs battered in. And then, yeah. Which makes me think, so they had to walk in two runs. That's awesome. They had to walk in two. How many... I think I looked it up too, but I don't remember it. how many walks did they give up, um, or how many walks did they have? Um, I'm looking. It says it doesn't say that they had a school record for walks, but I'm sure that they did. Well, um, so we got a school record for runs: fifty, RBI: forty-eight, hits: thirty-five. Um, I'm just like trying to think if you had. Yeah, so you, Craig Moore had ten runs batted in. Let's see, you had. 35 hits, so that's 35 base runners. Senior Jay Sirianni pick, earned the win for the uh, over the Cougars, pitching to just six batters. <laughs> How? They pulled him after the first two innings. Oh, okay. I was going to say, did he he threw the whole game and only faced six batters? I was like, that's and not then, right. And then my favorite thing, too, is that this is the article from 1999. And it says, the 12-6 Huskers. We'll play the final game of the three-game series on Wednesday at 1 p.m. at Buck Belzer Stadium against Chicago State, two and nine. <laughs> hey, Chicago State won two games though. Hey, so hey, that's a positive. I can play for them. Jake, any last words before we get out of here? No. No. <laughs> All right. Well. Um, well, I do, but I don't have time for him. So, have to, have to wait for two weeks from now. Two weeks. That's right. We are going to be on spring break next week, so we Thank are God. we are gone um, next Friday. But we'll be back the returning Friday, which I believe is March thirtieth. So uh, no show next week, and a show after that to follow. Uh, sure, you don't have anything else to say. Who's uh, you know upset of today? Who wins? Who was your upset today? Um, 
I don't have enough time to look at this, I don't think. It's just a, uh... Oh, Jesus. I think New Mexico State beats Clemson. There you go. Yeah, I don't know. New Mexico State's like 330th in field or a free throw percentage. Five so. seconds. You got anything? No. Nope. Okay. Jake Larson, Cold Stone's been chasing history. We will catch you in two weeks. Thanks for listening.